I want to start off this episode okay. with two news stories that were designed specifically for us here at really? the office. For for me? I, I got to believe that both of these news stories, really just like happenstances in the news, were okay. designed to um, catch our eye and be featured in our show. I don't know who else they're for, if not us. Exactly. I, I mean, I mean, I'll have to hear it. I'll, I'll be the judge of that. The first one is an article from Fox News. No. Uh, and this is on a news story that we've touched on before, the DeSantis Newsom debate that's mm-hmm. coming up very quickly that will uh, be live streaming, of be course, streaming next live, Thursday. You know, tomorrow if you're a Wednesday weenie. Exactly, exactly. But um, I'll just start off with the headline. It's kind of just details on the debate, but I thought it was uh, it, it just it's eye opening. It, it's something that I didn't think was going to be real, and now it's real. You know what I'm saying? Like the debate in of itself? Yeah. Or? It's, yeah it's one of the things true. that I felt like is like, it's probably going to get canceled. Like, no way this actually happens. But now that it's happening, yeah. it's like, oh my God. I wouldn't be surprised if it got canceled like the night before or something. Oh, cold feet DeSantis. Little That's cold what feet. I'm saying. Little tiny cold feet for a <laughs> tiny cold man. So the headline is Fox News' groundbreaking DeSantis Newsome debate quickly approaches as 2024 political drama looms. First of all, uh, crazy glazing for yourself. I'm saying. Just topping yourself up in the headline there. <laughs> Our amazing, <laughs> phenomenal, groundbreaking report. And then the, uh, right under the headline, the political showdown will be moderated by Sean Hannity, Thursday, November 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Moderated of by Sean? Moderated That's by Sean right, Hannity. because it's a 2v1. Yeah, it's moderated by Sean Hannity, and it's DeSantis versus Newsom, but it's basically, yeah, going yeah. to be a 2v1. Okay. Uh, and the article says here, Fox News' groundbreaking debate, again, just glazing yourself up for no... <laughs> Like, you don't got to do all that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Between Florida Republican Governor DeSant- Ron DeSantis and California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom is quickly approaching. Uh, then it goes on to say, as a part of a two-hour Hannity special, Fox News' Sean Hannity will be moderating a 90-minute debate in Alfreda, Alpharetta, Georgia, which has emerged as a critical swing state in oh, recent okay. election cycles. And see... This is this is the part that makes me laugh a little bit, right? Is like, okay, they're hosting it in Georgia, which is a swing state. But the key component here is Gavin Newsom isn't a candidate for president. Yeah. It's just Ron DeSantis. And this again brings me back to the critique that Gavin Newsom has only things to gain here, especially if he wants to run for president in the future. He only has prominence to gain by like taking Ron DeSantis down a peg. And DeSantis only has things to lose because even if he does well in this debate, it doesn't do anything to place him closer to or even above Donald Trump in the primary. Gavin's not even up for re-election this cycle. No, (laughs) I don't think so. At least I'm pretty sure he got elected in 22 right i think so yeah yeah there's the whole recall thing and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's just there's no reason to do this from ron DeSantis's side but he's it seems like he's going to it seems planned like what what are his staffers thinking what are the people around him what are the political strategists that he's hired and is paying money to thinking about this right now i don't know uh, what what possible talking points could he come through it's it's gonna it's gonna have to be what 90 minutes on the border well here's the thing is i think um ironically or perhaps, uh, I don't even know, like, it kind of makes me a little sad to say this, but I feel like this might be the most substantive debate we get out of this primary season <laughs> because there's going to be no crowd, no audience, so there's not going to be clapping to really? interrupt anybody, so they just get to talk. Nobody, it's just no interruptions. Three guys being dudes in a room. Three white dudes talking, nice. and it says Hannity will press them on key issues including the economy and inflation, immigration and the border, and crime. So it seems like uh, covering kind of a range of Probably issues. Like 30 minutes on each, I can imagine. Crime, a big one. Because like what? You're going against California. Uh, conservatives think he's Mr. Crime. Yes. Letting everything yes. run rampant in L.A., you know, looting, whatnot. Uh, yeah. Still, what is he going to gain? 
I don't know, but even before we learn like what Ron DeSantis's talking points will be, I've seen Gavin Newsom like debate Sean Hannity before. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple of months ago, they had Sean Hannity had Gavin Newsom come on, and Gavin Newsom basically steamrolled him talking <laughs> about crime statistics, the economy, so on and so forth. Uh, and we already know the cases like red states are reliant on government or on federal funding more than blue states are. We know blue states are where all the economic um, growth and GDP growth is centered. Like obviously, the argument economically is always in favor of blue states. I don't know what the arguments will be here though. And I'm I like I this is why I feel like Ron DeSantis is just gonna get crushed and there's no reason for him to do this. And it's like what well, Hannity's gonna have to give him some massive layups, some massive moderator bias in this debate for him to gain yeah. two percentage points. Yeah, it's a two V one. To go from like nine percent to eleven percent in the poll. Maybe even. Maybe like, he'll lose. Because it's not it's not necessarily confirmed that the same people that are on the fence in the GOP electorate are the ones that are gonna be watching this and then having their decision informed by if DeSantis performs well in this niche debate against Gavin Newsom, someone who's not running for president. Yeah, it's it's going to be what the clips that go viral from it, which I imagine are going to be Gavin Newsom kind of steamrolling DeSantis because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he can't orate like he can't get yeah. out there and speak even during the actual GOP debates when he gave his best performance in the last one. He didn't really combat anyone. Mm-hmm. He just had some phrases that you knew he wrote down beforehand that he was ready to had locked and loaded and and that scenario is a lot easier to get dunks because like the attention is is diffused among all the other candidates you know like you don't need like even if you fuck up a little bit there's a bunch of other people that that the audience can focus on but here it's like you or him camera's on you the whole time (laughs) yeah like you gotta figure i don't know how he's gonna do well in this i don't think he'll do well in this but i guess we'll find out next thursday we'll find out uh, we'll find out and you can find out during our head in the office's groundbreaking Mm -hmm. coverage of this debate (laughs) on thursday night come watch it live with 8 p.m eastern time starting for us and then 9 p.m will be the debate i'm guessing or uh, whenever hannity wants to start his fucking two-hour special for a groundbreaking incredibly fun Mm -hmm. debate pre-show yeah that's groundbreaking we can uh, make a bingo card for this special event as well even though it's not a (laughs) primary debate (laughs) but the last news uh the last um extra piece of fun news story that was designed specifically for us is actually a clip from fox news oh i thought this was uh especially humorous Okay. Uh, it brings up the sort of uh, war on Christmas debate once again, which I was wondering where it had been. Well, of course, because, you know, the it, really the night of Thanksgiving, the mm-hmm. day after is when all of that rhetoric starts, because that's when Christmas starts. And you see, I'm I'm really tempted to press the, the pink button on our soundboard <laughs> and, and initiate a Beyond Parody section. But honestly, this really isn't Beyond Parody. This is almost just one for one what they always say this time of I, year. I know it all too well. Yeah, like you could probably <laughs> predict what this is about to be about, especially given all the fiascos with like Target and the uh-huh. bathing suit stuff earlier in the year but this is a a clip from jesse waters okay only about 20 seconds long i figure we could take a listen here on the show live gay nutcracker (laughs) complete with a rainbow hat a trans flag full price 12 dollars. but right now it's on sale for eight wait wait target also sells santa ornaments but target santa is in a wheelchair and is black if you if you so if you pause when he's talking about well either of them the nut the gay nutcracker or the black disabled Santa there's other <laughs> options right next to them that either aren't gay or aren't black and disabled you can see it's just one option among many because the whole thing here is that companies haven't gone woke they're not trying to indoctrinate the kids or make white people feel bad they've just recognized that they can get more products moved if they appeal to diverse audiences yeah white Santa is still right there front and center. <laughs> Let me tell you, the the regular nutcracker, however, 
I'd be hard pressed to say that the Nutcracker isn't gay in of itself, but <laughs> I was about to say uh, <laughs> Nutcracker's already gay. Not gonna elaborate. Come on now, that's crazy. I feel like I was set up for failure with gay <laughs> Nutcracker. Twelve ninety nine now eight ninety nine. It's on sale. That's that's cunty. Yeah, you can, but it's like you can hear it in his voice that he doesn't really care. It's almost like the Tucker Carlson gay M and M's thing. Yeah, like he knows he's just kind of uh, checking the boxes on a list around the same time of year where he needs to fear monger or just I don't know what rage bait on social issues around Christmas when to be honest this isn't even war on Christmas rhetoric yeah. this is straight up pro Christmas <laughs> merchandise on the shelves it's more Christmas for more people exactly. isn't that what you want it's n- it's none of the happy holidays bullshit it's more Christmas uh Jesse Waters later had some some woman come on to like guest uh you know like a guest appearance on the show or whatever yeah. and she was like this is simply gone too far the pendulum has swung too far this just isn't representative of the country it's like what are you what are you talking about well, they made the Nutcracker gay now. Like Black Santa's <laughs> been a thing for as long as I've been alive, and I'm going to assume because I keep seeing it, that means people are buying them. You I, know what I mean? I think and I've, so what? I think I've also heard uh, this discourse around Black Santa for my entire life. Yes. A- anytime yes. a Black Santa is available, it's just everyone's up in arms about it. Yes, yeah, like Santa's not black. Uh, Santa, not real. <laughs> Famously, <laughs> Santa, not real. Uh, Santa could be whatever the companies want him to yeah, be. Yeah, but it's really not scientifically accurate. Like, <laughs> if, if you think about it, he lives in the North Pole. There's not a lot of sun over there. <laughs> and there is something to be said for how problematic this sort of fake progressivism is from companies. Like, Target's obviously doesn't really care about yeah. progressive politics. They don't actually care about real diversity and inclusion measures. But the thing is, like, so long as we're going to live in a consumerist capitalist society, I'd rather gay people, black people, minority groups be accepted rather than them be excluded. Mm-hmm. I feel like if, you know, if those are the two options right now, I'd rather them not be excluded from society. I think public <laughs> acceptance is better. And that's going to translate into marketing and, and merchandise, of course. That's all it is. It's not them trying to turn the kids gay. Never has been. Oh, my God. That's good. That's good. I don't, I don't know if a child is ever going to walk upon a, a rainbow flag nutcracker and think, you know, you know. This is gayer than it was before. <laughs> like, I don't, it's already there. You know what I'm saying? And again, I'm not going to elaborate. There's no argument that needs to be made. You all know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You all know what we're talking about. And I mean, while we're on the topic of uh, uh, gay things and grooming, mm. I think I can hit you with a little surprise. Oh, a surprise? A, a surprise, a little story that I found. Not a surprise. Um, do you remember the group Moms for Liberty? Yes. You remember how their whole Aren't- stick... Aren't they like, big on like showing up to school council meetings yeah. and like uh, kind of doing like stochastic terrorism? That and like huge on book bans. Yes. And stuff. Yeah. Huge on any semblance of anything being gay is grooming. Well, woke liberals are indoctrinating students and turning them gay in classrooms. Exactly. And I guess while we're on the topic of Moms for Liberty and grooming, some interesting information recently came out. And according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, Philip Fisher Jr., a pastor and local Republican ward leader who volunteered at Moms for Liberty's National Summit in Philadelphia this year pleaded guilty in 2012 to a charge of aggravated sexual abuse involving a 14-year-old boy (laughs) when he was 25 and living in Chicago. Every accusation is an admission. That's like, what I'm saying. Oh my God. Pedocon theory is 100% true. <laughs> the same people that are going on and on about grooming taking place in schools is actually just doing the grooming. Takes one to no one. Takes one to no <laughs> one. That's what I was saying. And, and it's nuts because this week, it, part of my preparation every week is scrolling through the top posts of the week, like sort by top this week on r slash conservative. And they were going crazy about like some Democrat mayor who just got uh, just got convicted of, I think, a uh, child 
child pornography charges. Mm-hmm. Okay. Obviously wrong, obviously evil, obviously bad. I talk about it. But they always bring it up in the context of, oh, why doesn't this get more attention? Because he's not the guy that's making a whole stink about anything to do with the rainbow being creepy. He's not the one making these accusations and throwing them around all yeah. the time at anything in culture. There's no hypocrisy here. Exactly. It's just kind of guy does crime, yeah. which is very bad. Don't, uh-huh. don't get me wrong. But with this, it's guy does the crime that he constantly goes on and vilifies other people who didn't do the crime yeah what's going on what was what was moms for liberty's excuse here was it just like uh well the problem isn't that he dead pedophilia it's that it was gay pedophilia i have no idea actually because that's the type of shit matt walsh is on it's like obviously that's (laughs) not what the problem is well matt walsh famous for coming out here and saying well you know 16 year olds really (laughs) (laughs) really when people are in their prime oh my god dog that's so awesome that's what i thought I, i thought i thought that would be a good little uh good little story moms for liberty has been going through it too they just got washed in the election like all of their candidates lost oh, in 2023 hell yeah which is sick because it's just like the evil group you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like uh evil non-profit e- evil so. doesn't take power nice yeah <laughs> awesome cool oh, maybe a uh, one so million good. moms can come up and take their place oh maybe these moms groups are really just competing for who can be the most uh anti-lgbtq anti-gay yeah. whatever evil yeah it's just like fascist versus fascist who can win it's sick looks like moms for liberty's falling behind they're getting outed mm-hmm. as pedophiles <laughs> Nice. Welcome back to Head in the Office, everybody. Top of the episode, as we mentioned in the cold open, we're mm-hmm. going to be live once again. This time, Absolutely. not even covering a primary debate, just a, a fun little excursion for a us. A fun little side debate, a mm-hmm. little side quest that uh, that Ron DeSantis is going to choose to go on in his uh, hardcore run of this election cycle and mm-hmm. have his game ended. Yeah, no, it's going to be a, a really good time. It's a side quest for us as well, but it's still, of course, political discourse because we can't get away from it. I'm a, I'm a whore for it. Yeah, yeah. That's Thursday, November 30th, 9 p.m. Eastern time is when the debate starts. We'll mm-hmm. be live 8 p.m. Eastern time. Chatting you guys up, because that's what we do. Chatting you up. Serving you know, up discourse. Through hanging out with everyone in the chat, yeah. uh, making funny political bingo cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's not down for that? Now, before we get into the show, I will remind you all that right now, for like one more week, mm-hmm. Hitto Merch is 15% off if you use the code PREGAME15. What can we say? And if, you know, you want to get your family a gift, if you want to support the show, if you want to look good. Look good, look stylish, look cool. Especially after the new year, going back to school, you got to look like you got some new clothes, uh-huh. right? Head over yeah. to the, uh, head over to headintheoffice.com, get yourself some merch, and that also uh, supports the show at the same time. I'd be very appreciative of it. Let everyone know that you're a fan of the number one geopolitical podcast, especially right. in these tumultuous geopolitical trying times. times. <laughs> yeah, trying times. <laughs> Come on. How else will people know that you stay informed mm-hmm. unless you're wearing the shirt that says... That you watch the number one geopolitical podcast. How else will we know that you care? Make it make sense now. Yeah, yeah. You can also support the show by becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash head in the office pod. Of course, follow us on all social media. It's always always in the description. And we have one Apple review to read today. That's the final way you can support the show. Leave a five-star review on Apple. Completely for free. And we'll read it. We read them every week so long as we have them. And Gage doesn't cry over his Cheerios when he checks in the morning. But this week we have just one. On Apple, it is from Cats Are Protein from uh, title The Best Podcast. They say, I'm a trans woman in Florida, and most of my family is Republican or worse, Libertarian. Last oh. year, my grandmother got my great-grandfather a beer cooler that says, I identify as water. That's rough. That's oh, real rough. Oh, man, that's actually so cool, though. <laughs> this podcast has helped keep me sane, and, and 
in the year have been listening there in the year I've been listening there's not been a single bad take thank you for making oh my god thank you for making such an amazing podcast that helps to fuel my desire to make the world a better place uh well thank you and sorry for stumbling through that I guess I can't read today. incredible immaculate cosine on the never been a bad take portion of that debate but yeah. I uh, do want to remind you all that say you have maybe I don't know an Android or you live in Canada and we can't see your app reviews or Anywhere else abroad, uh, yeah. you can drop her. You can drop the review on our Instagram. We don't discriminate. Just like Randy <laughs> Monica Jr. did, he said, "I don't have an iPhone to review an Apple Podcast or whatever it's called, so please accept this five star review via Instagram." Oh, there that's very go. kind. Yeah. There you go. Most of the time, I'll read them off Instagram, but if I see it, I'll probably forget. Especially yeah. if it's early in the week. Message us like Friday. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes, <laughs> I always, ideally, if you're going to send an Instagram review, send it like Saturday night because I, I like to screenshot. Make sure, them so make that sure it's Gage that reads it. <laughs> I like to screenshot them. If it's not in the front of my camera roll, that shit is gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for those five star reviews. If you want yours read, you know where to go. I guess we could start off with some geopolitical news. Well, that's what we do. Uh, we are going to get into some Israel and Palestine updates although i did want to talk real quickly about argentina they just ele elected okay. a new president a lot of people have been talking about it not even in the show notes i just figured we could um it, it's not really i guess it is, it is big news for a couple of reasons but really it's just like they had another election they elected a dude who's basically a fascist but it's like their version of donald trump really nice. he's like a big libertarian guy isn't he yeah he calls himself an anarcho-capitalist oh uh, nice yeah he like he's a redditor basically. take him to coconut island um he his name is javier millet i believe um, and he, he did this thing, which a lot of like liberal media was picking up on. He said, he's going to take a chainsaw to the administrative state. Oh. And he dressed up at one point, I think doing like a Denji cosplay, he was from doing chainsaw, the chainsaw man, man but nice. which makes me think that he missed like the major themes of the show being an anarcho capitalist. Oh like, oh my God. Did you miss what motivates Denji in the beginning of the show did to you do miss what he does? The first episode, the first chapter, even if yeah. you're a reader where he's, I don't know, the poorest guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feels like he, he missed a component there. Um, um, but anyway, yeah, he's like a, a sort of fascist candidate that won. I don't know a ton about the structure of Argentinian um, elections, but he was running against a, uh, I'll say, historically corrupt party, the sort of neoliberal right that was losing a lot of steam in the same way that like Hillary Clinton was okay. a part of the sort of neoliberal center left, center right. Um, and he, he won in, in much the same way that Hillary Clinton lost, right? Is, uh, uh -huh. he won because the, the candidates he were running, he was running against, uh, a lot of people felt alienated from failed to inspire the populace. Yeah, exactly. And so he, he's the, uh, the new president of Argentina, much in the same way that Trump became the president here. And I've seen a couple of, of lines of analysis. Um, two of them specifically, I think are important. The first one though, I think isn't necessarily correct. Some people, so Latin America has a long history of dictators yeah. being propped up, usually being propped up by the United States and the West <laughs> because they serve our sort of economic machinations and what we intend to accomplish, certainly during the Cold War. And a lot of people, at least some people have been saying that he's a fascist of that variety, but I don't think that analysis is correct because back during the Cold War, the United States propped up a lot of fascists specifically because they were amenable to U.S. business interests. Our businesses wanted to strip mine Latin American countries for all the resources they had and the cheap labor that they had. And in order to do so, we needed to either get them out of the sphere of influence of the Soviet Union or most of the time just cut off any progressive reforms that they were trying to do. See Guatemala trying to do land reform after the United Fruit Company was kicked out or Nicaragua, etc. But I don't think he's that kind of fascist specifically because if he is, I think he's kind of like in the wrong time period. But I don't think he is because the United States doesn't really need to do that anymore. 
You may Especially have noticed in like the, the, Argentina. Yeah, the Cold War. Uh, the the Cold War has ended. The Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. There's no structural incentive for the United States to partner with fascists like him at this time because uh, the capitalist world order already exists, right? <laughs> like the, the United States is the hegemon. Uh, capitalism is now a globalized system. There's no need for us to partner with fascists. In fact, I think he's at this point more of a liability for someone like Biden because if he sees himself paired with Millet, then it kind of just makes him look bad. Yeah, uh, we don't need fascists like that to strip mine countries anymore. We're much more focused on neo-imperialism, economic imperialism and strip mining countries using groups like the IMF, the World Trade Organization, etc. And I think the more correct version of analysis is that much like Trump, much like Viktor Orban or fascist candidates that we've seen rise up in France, I think he is more so a product of neoliberal policies and austerity that have generated a lot of vulnerability and mm -hmm. isolation and alienation from typical neoliberal candidates. Yeah. It's the same reason Donald Trump won, right? It's like people felt disillusioned with the U.S. political system because we'd been failing for so long because of neoliberal austerity politics. And I think that's the reason he rose to power because Argentina has horrible inflation, much worse than anything mm -hmm. the United States has experienced. Argentina has been going through a lot of economic issues. And because of neoliberal politics and political corruption, a lot of people were driven away from the mainstream options and, and chose him instead. And I think that's the correct yeah. mode of analysis for this guy. Don't, doesn't Argentina have like a crazy cycle of like nutty economic boom and then insane disastrous, disastrous so. collapse yeah. just all the time? And the thing is, is like there, I think there was one point uh, that a lot of people, I think on the right, have pointed to where it's like, well, at one point the GDP for Argentina was like, uh, per capita dwarfing the United States. And it's like, okay, but where was the economic development going? Yeah. It wasn't evenly distributed, much like in the U.S., GDP super high, growing year over year, but it's not evenly distributed. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a measure of how well people are doing. And now this guy is promising to, like, dollarize his economy, which is a whole complicated subject <laughs> that probably isn't going to go very well for Wait, Argentina. dollarize as in get away from, like, fractional reserve banking, like gold standard? No, he, they want to, I think they've already done this. They're getting rid of the Argentinian peso and they're going to use USD. Oh, like, oh, dollar yeah, eyes. Yeah, oh, okay. Like they're purchasing USD to use for their economy now, which is probably good for US businesses and the United States as a whole because more of our currency is flowing. I guess. I don't think it's going to work for them, though, because it's our currency. Like, we control every part of it. I, Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But uh, their economy has been up and down. But it, much like a lot of Latin American countries, even if you don't know a ton about like Argentina specifically, I mean, we've been controlling them and dominating them for more than what, 70 years at this point. Mm -hmm. And so it's like it's it's not a surprise to see a candidate like this again compared to compare him to Donald Trump or Viktor Orban, et cetera, that rises to power as a result of neoliberal policies that have left people behind. Uh, once again, materialist analysis is always going to go further than anything else. And uh, once again, because there's no real left wing, at least from what I know in Argentina and other countries like the United States, um, the right wing can kind of adopt populist rhetoric and then just do all the same things, if not do worse things than typical neoliberals will. Because mm -hmm. he's promised to like, you know, uh, he's like very anti-LGBTQ. You said something before the, we quoted like about- One of the only yeah. videos I've saw of him, I don't know much about this issue. One of the only things I saw from him this week was a video of him with like a bunch of different ministries on a board. And he's like, oh, ministry for women, fucking gone. Ministry <laughs> yeah, for yeah, like yeah. Uh, minorities and equal rights, fucking gone. Ministry for poor people, gone. Yeah. And, and that's like, of course, he's doing that. That's like the cultural fascist thing yeah. to do now. And I think that's sort of been exported by the United States uh, in a way because that's become like anti-trans rhetoric, anti-LGBTQ yeah. rhetoric as a whole has grown uh, mm -hmm. extensively uh, since Donald Trump got elected for sure. And I think like 
he's saying all this stuff and he might even accomplish a lot of this stuff. Like maybe yeah. he will ax a bunch of departments, but realistically Argentina isn't a huge economy and obviously they're struggling as well. I don't think that they can really do much to get away from like, you know, institutions like the IMF or the world trade organization or the world bank, et cetera. Like again, United States, the United States, capitalist global system has already firmly been established there's nowhere most countries can go unless they have the oligarchs of their own like china does to kind of push back or escape what the united states wants them to do especially if you're in latin america where the yeah. history there is so rife with just the united states dominating you and you know sending death squads into your country if you don't act the right way huh i just i don't know what the i don't think that he's going to be able to accomplish much or do much different than like the neoliberals well, of before did. i mean especially if his policy prescriptions are gut the government Zero yeah. regulation. Do whatever you want. I, I love a business for the sake of business. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I mean, and he, I think when he got elected or beforehand, he was like, I hate the IMF, which is like fair. The IMF Real. is a horrible organization. <laughs> uh, they'll come into impoverished countries and say like, we'll give you loans, but you have to do this, 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 and this. And then it ends up with all the money flying yeah. out of your country to wealthy oligarchs we'll and you, you are loans. in debt. We'll yeah. give you loans, but you have to buy U.S. contractors exactly. to service these needs. Yeah. And like, it's fair. It, most countries on the periphery or semi-periphery are going to hate the IMF for good reason. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know what Argentina can do to get away from this with a uh, right-wing fascist in charge. With an unserious candidate. Yes. Because like, everything about this guy has just been so incredibly unserious. Yeah. It's it, it's good. Co you, again, Coconut Island, anarcho-capitalist, it just it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you were looking for all our analysis of uh, Javier Millet, there you go. There we go. I don't yeah. think it'll be very good. <laughs> it's my, <laughs> my analysis. Moving on to Israel and Palestine, though. Yes. Much more news here. And um, similarly, not very good. All pretty much bad. We've got a sprinkle of um, news directly from Israel. And we've got some uh, a sprinkle of news that has to do with Israel, but it's domestic politics. So uh, yes. kind of a mixed bag here, none of which is good. Either you're reaching your hand into the bag, it's getting cut up either way. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. So we're all, we are the number one geopolitical podcast, of course, and we've got updates on Israel. The major piece of news from the last week or so is that hostages have been steadily released by Hamas uh, during a what's being called a temporary ceasefire like four-day ceasefire yeah right? uh, by the time this episode comes out I think it'll probably be over unless it's extended it began on Friday of last week after some negotiation and like you said only slated mm -hmm. to last about four days before you get too excited about this diplomatic breakthrough though Netanyahu himself has already said quote I want to be clear. This war is continuing. This war is continuing. We will continue until we have achieved all of our goals. Man, he is being very clear. Bloodthirsty. I, I don't even think there was any ambiguity beforehand. <laughs> no. He just had to come out here and let the people of Israel know. So ostensibly, the deal was reached between Qatar, the United States, and Israel in negotiations that have been happening over the last few weeks. I'm un, it's kind of unclear to me how much the U.S. was actually involved mm -hmm. uh, because Joe Biden's been pledging unequivocal support to Netanyahu so far. He's refused yeah. to call for a ceasefire in really any capacity. And it's it's not clear to me that Joe Biden was pushing so hard for it. He could have been behind the scenes, but like without any evidence to suggest that, I'm not w sure. Wasn't he touting this as kind of like a semi-win? Like yes. he was touting yes. the U.S.'s involvement as like a win, like, look, we did this. It, it could have just been the case that like the U.S.'s name is stamped but on we, it. We love doing that shit. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah exactly. We uh, Qatar, though, you may be wondering why Qatar is involved. At least some of Hamas leadership is stationed in Qatar. They live in Qatar, hence their involvement here. And I, I did know this fact, but I kept forgetting to bring it up. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just another piece that you can use to levy against someone that is like a Zionist or pro-Israel, right? 
The fact that the IDF continues to bomb Gaza to quote-unquote get rid of Hamas while Hamas leadership is in another country entirely is just comically evil to me, right? Hamas leadership is in Qatar. You're not getting rid of Hamas by bombing a place where they're not even at. It just reveals to me that it's so unserious and designed to hurt innocent Palestinians. You're not getting rid of Hamas if if they're not even in the place that you're bombing. It's kind of almost like how to get the Saudi that did, uh, I don't know, like the terrorist attack 9-11 to get the Saudi guy who was hiding in Pakistan. We uh, fought not his terrorist organization, but another one in a different country. And then we invaded Iraq. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it's not a mystery. Israel knows. Yeah. Like they know they just negotiated this quote unquote temporary ceasefire that's allowing hostages to get out with Hamas leadership. When the attack first happened, w- like one of the, the Hamas leader guys was in Qatar and he posted like a video. Yeah. Like, I'm safe in Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> like none of it. It's just it's so obvious to me that Israel doesn't actually care about getting rid of Hamas. The goal isn't to get rid of Hamas. It's just to punish Palestinians because they want the land for themselves. It's an ethno state project. Mm-hmm. That's all it really is. So as of November 25th, uh, as of writing this on Saturday, Hamas has released 24 of the 240 hostages they took back on October 6th or October 7th. Was it the 7th? Is that when they did the attack? Uh, And Israel has released 39 Palestinians. The AP reports that the deals for every one Israeli hostage released from Hamas, three Palestinians are going to be released from Israel. For those counting, that means 13 Israelis have been released from uh, being held hostage so far. Yes, uh, I think it's interesting. Further, in keeping with AP's reports of the Palestinians, Palestinians that were released, 24 of them were women, some of which had been arrested for attempted stabbings. Others were accused of incitement on social media. I'll let you try and figure out what that means. The rest of the released prisoners were teenage boys, most of whom were charged with, quote, stone throwing and, quote, supporting terrorism, a charge that the AP describes themselves as incredibly broad. One of the released teenagers was the son of a U.N. aid worker who was placed on, quote, administrative detention last year based on secret evidence without formal charges or a trial. And in keeping with this, like, administrative detention trend and all of uh, Israel's counterterrorism measures, there are 2,200 Palestinians that are placed on this administrative detention as we speak. Jesus uh, a lot of those, no trial, no formal charges at all have been brought to them and secret evidence. You know, there's a, a word I would use for being held kind of unjustly. Uh-huh. I, it doesn't, I don't know. It, it's just not coming to my mind. I can't, I can't think of it either. Uh, I'm glad the know. Hamas hostages have been released though, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just can't think of a word I would use <laughs> for a group that's being held by someone doing terror against them unjustly. It's just, I can't think of the word. And I mean, like in, in keeping with that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of, I, I Maybe this is a reach, but I feel like this is a massive failure, again, on the propaganda front from Israel, right? Because with with the entire world's eyes on you in a high-profile prisoner swap, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like releasing from prison, again— a literal child who threw stones isn't the best look <laughs> yeah. because I don't know, maybe why the fuck was that child in prison for yeah. throwing stones in the first place? Well, the stones could have fentanyl in them. Oh, that's, <laughs> the, the stones could have been laced with fentanyl. Yeah. They could have con- made contact with an Israeli soldier's uniform and absorbed into it. <laughs> exactly. So I, you know what? With, with that, hit the kid with possession. Hit <laughs> the kid with possession <laughs> and distribution and the, the whole gamut, really. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that kind of just speaks to the destitute conditions that Palestinians are subject to in this uh, 
in in this conflict in this apartheid in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Because they they had an opportunity to I don't know at least paint the Palestinians as all murderers like at least release the people who are who are in on a attempted violence. Yeah. Not the kids who didn't fucking do anything. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's like stone throwing, right? It's obviously an insane thing to be jailed for, but they've done worse to people that have thrown they've stones. They've killed yes. kids that have thrown stones at IDF soldiers. Like, come on now. Like, throwing stones is this insane act of terror against actual soldiers that uh-huh. were trained in what, fucking Long Island, New York? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I don't know. It's just such nonsense, and I think this uh, this definitely reveals it. Um, it's, but over- it, it's, it's so ridiculous, because, like, even continuing with oh, yeah. the, the Palestinians that uh, Israel is willing to release, they have a list, there is a list, of 300... <laughs> Hundred people that they're considering for this release and among those the crimes that landed these people in prison vary from threatening security officers to leaving the gaza strip and entering israel without a permit that's crazy tell me that is not apartheid tell yeah. me that's not literally an apartheid set you're not allowed to leave you can't leave the cage we put you <laughs> tell in, me that's yeah. not an open air prison that landed you in prison and oh maybe we'll do a hostage swap yeah, that's what it is. And it's it's kind of it's along the lines of like uh, conservatives that are like, well, technically every illegal immigrant broke the law because they crossed the border <laughs> illegally. I mean, it's like, well, saying. this Palestinian broke the law. They shouldn't have left Gaza. So they're in jail now. It's like, no, obviously, like the laws set up here are unfair and unjust. That's uh-huh. the critique. Yeah. Overall, though, uh, any cessation of death is good news. Yes. But the um, and getting hostages out, of course, is good news as well. But it seems to me more like the humanitarian pause they've been talking about than anything else. Maybe it serves the purpose in their eyes of like quelling the domestic dissent that's been going on and protests that have been happening around the world because it's like look we did a ceasefire this is what you wanted right and, and i know p- part of the uh the negotiation part of the deal for this ceasefire is that they're gonna allow some like thirty four thousand gallons of fuel to get in a day they're gonna allow shelter equipment they're gonna allow like humanitarian aid to flow into gaza during this but i i really fail to see the point in doing that beyond the optics of it mm-hmm. when you're just gonna start bombing them again in four days yeah that that's kind of my take too is like Okay, the and I think strikes have still been happening. By the way, I don't think they've totally stopped from what I've seen. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it's even like you're gonna announce a ceasefire and then go and kill I think a hundred some odd civilians in (laughs) northern Gaza a couple days before it actually starts. Yeah, and it's like okay, uh, you did a ceasefire. Say they they weren't launching any missiles whatsoever during this four four day period. What are people in Gaza supposed to do? They can't leave into Israel. Obviously, like that's not allowed. They just wait. What do they just? I don't know. Try to clear bodies out of the rubble. Like what? What else are they supposed to maybe, be doing for four days? Maybe there's more time to flee from the north to the south. But people yeah. who have been fleeing from the north to the south have been struck. Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily during the ceasefire. Even though I have seen some people saying yes, but still, like yeah. What are you supposed to do? There's nowhere to go. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, so that's the news on the ceasefire. Um, that's probably going to be done by the time you all listen to this, especially if you're a Wednesday weenie listener. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only news on Israel that we need to discuss. We've got some domestic Israel-related news yes. that needs um, some of that classic hitto analysis. Always. So some progressives in Congress have been, uh, both in the House and the Senate, have been calling for conditions to be set on the military aid package for Israel that's working its way through the government. These are folks like Bernie Sanders, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, you know, the classic progressives. This happens, of course, as more Democrats have begun calling for a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Not anywhere near a majority, mind you. No, nowhere uh, near. It's, it's still a, a small, Yeah, it's still a small group of people calling for a ceasefire. But more, over time, have been calling for a ceasefire and some conditions to be set on the aid that's going to end up going to Israel. Which is just like, I, I feel like at the bare minimum, can yes. just, when, when yeah. you... When when you're sending money for people to buy weapons to wage war with, 
at the very least, there should be some conditions on that aid. You shouldn't just let people unconditionally wage war on a group and other people unconditionally kill other people. It's kind of like with the Ukraine cluster bomb situation. Mm -hmm. Like, whenever you're giving money to people to kill people, you better make sure they're doing it in the right ways, if there is any. Yeah, that's the thing here is like, it's unimaginable to me that we would give a blank check to really anybody, Mm -hmm. especially while there's a conflict ongoing. There's like an attempted genocide ongoing, right? Biden has asked already for, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, for the $14 billion in in aid for Israel that he wants to to give them for military purposes. But if we aren't conditioning this, at least on like not committing war crimes, What's the point? Uh huh. Like, we're just giving them a blank check to do whatever they want with. Like, Democrats, of course, aren't great on the issue of Israel, but I feel like the bare minimum is just saying, like, all right, you're going to use taxpayer money. You got to not do X, Y, and Z if you actually want to get this. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the, like, it seems like a no-brainer. But, but but it's like, again, you do that, and then Netanyahu freaks out and yells at you, mm-hmm. and we're really scared of that for some reason. <laughs> well, and it's like, then it kind of just reveals what he's trying to do, exactly. right? Exactly. Like, if we say, um, you can't use this funding to, after the conflict, occupy Gaza, you can't use this if you're going to kill more civilians, like, then it just reveals that that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 what do you mean I can't do that? So uh, from Bernie Sanders specifically, I'm pulling from Politico here, says, quote, Sanders issued a statement calling for conditioning USAID to Israel, including by ending what he called indiscriminate bombing to allow a significant pause in military operations so humanitarian aid could enter Gaza, allowing displaced Gazans to return home, no long-term Israeli reoccupation or blockade of Gaza, an end to settler violence in the expansion in the West Bank, and a commitment to broad peace talks for a two-state solution. Obviously, this is like, one step of many thousands to towards peace. <laughs> yeah. But it is uh, something. Uh, I think Bernie still hasn't called for an actual ceasefire, which is disappointing. But mm-hmm. like, like in a world where we're basically getting nothing already, it is good to see some Democrats like, yeah, we should condition this aid. I will take this. Yeah. Yeah. However, Democrats <laughs> are not united on this front. If you thought this was just all good news, you're wrong. Moderate and very pro-Israel Democrat Jared Maskowitz had this to say on Twitter. He said, quote, I am absolutely for humanitarian aid to Gaza, but if Bernie Sanders puts political requirements on aid to Israel, I will work in the House to remove those conditions or condition aid to Gaza that requires the removal of Hamas. Come on, man. (laughs) Now, this is obviously nonsense, right? Like we're talking about conditioning military aid to Israel on the condition that, for example, they don't kill children. I have higher expectations for a democracy than I do a group of people who is being constantly bombed all the time. Yeah. And also like, okay, we're going to condition aid to Gaza on what condition that Gazans out Hamas. Like, How are they supposed to do I'm that? I'm sorry, but that's not actionable. Yeah. At least the things that Bernie presented are actionable. They're things you can actively work towards with policy because we're dealing with, I don't know, another governmental entity. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's just like these people are just insane. And obviously, Republicans are 100% condi- uh, against all conditions entirely because they're demons. They want to ensure more and more Palestinians die. More Palestinian children are killed. Which is so but, sick because wasn't it Marjorie Taylor Greene that was leading the front on uh, banning cluster bombs from like U- yeah, from banning yeah, yeah. Ukraine from being able to use our aid to get cluster bombs? Broken clock and all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, there's not going to be any Republican that votes for conditions. Uh, and it seems like it's only a minority of 
Democratic senators and members of the House that are going to vote for this. So we'll see if it happens. But the one reason I bring this up, and don't just write it off entirely, yeah. is because there's one last pretty big hitch in the plans mm. for getting aid to Israel, and that's that Biden has proposed a bill that includes a couple of things all bundled together. That's funding for Israel so far without conditions, yep. uh, humanitarian aid to Gaza, and then funding for Ukraine and funding for the border all packaged together in one deal. Usually the idea with these is like, we put a bunch of stuff together that not everybody wants each individual piece, but there's something for everybody so enough people vote for it to pass. Yeah, so we can slip some stuff through that's not exactly the most popular. But all of this seems pretty controversial and unpopular like across the board. <laughs> I don't know who is going to be voting for funding for Ukraine and funding for Israel and humanitarian aid for Gaza. You know what I mean? It's like the worst combination of things <laughs> yeah. to try and get together. You usually, usually you tack on like 14 billion in Israel to like something else mm -hmm. that's a bit more popular, not to some of the most controversial issues of the last year. Right. Like, okay, you get conditions on aid to Israel. You got progressives, you know, the, the 30 in the house or whatever. Yeah. And you know, like 10, in the Senate that it wanted conditions. Then Republicans aren't voting for it. Moderate Democrats aren't voting for it. You get funding for Ukraine in there, then Republicans aren't going to vote for it because they've positioned themselves in favor of Russia. Uh, you get humanitarian aid to Gaza and suddenly a bunch of members so from nobody like, for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know what combination of factors you get into this bill that actually gets a bipartisan majority of people to vote for this. I don't know how it happens. Maybe maybe that's the five D chess move that's going on right now. <laughs> like we're actually we actually don't want to give any aid to Israel, so we're gonna package it with all of this. So we no chance of passing. Oh man, if only. Uh, and there's also a clock on this because as we'll talk about in a little bit, the government's now only funded through January and February. So once we get to uh, past J uh, February second, I believe um, government can't send money to Israel at all. That'd be pretty cool. Which, uh, the um, other things that come along with that, not cool. Yeah, not well, of course. Cool, but, you know, silver linings there's a clock. and shit. Yeah, there's, exactly. there's kind of a, a timer on this all. So I guess yeah. while, we're, while we're speaking about, I don't know, people progressing on the issue, individual politicians coming, making more concessions, trying to be a, a bit better about the genocide yeah. that they're culpable in, uh, Politico report, reports that they were made privy to a circulating memo from President Biden where he wants aides to prepare policy to deliver sanctions and visa bans to, quote, extremist settlers in the West Bank. Okay. From the memo, Biden is talking about people who Again, quote, have directly or indirectly engaged in actions or policies that threaten the security or stability of the West Bank, take actions that intimidate civilians in the West Bank with the purpose or effect of forcing displacement actions in the West Bank, or make moves that constitute human rights abuses or violations and actions that significantly obstruct, disrupt, or prevent efforts to achieve a two-state solution. Mm. So that's pretty good. However, it's just rhetoric right now. This yeah. is just kind of a leaked memo. I, I, I want to say it's cool. I like the sentiment, but I can't comment on anything until we see an actual policy prescription right. moving forward. And even if we do see a policy prescription, based on what he's talking about here, he just wants to sanction. He just wants to levy punishment against individual settlers, mm -hmm. which... Okay. Yeah. They're not US citizens. We can't really do anything about that. I mean the dude from Long Island, sure, we can we can <laughs> tell him not to come back, but I don't think that really does Cut much to solve yeah. the issue. We kind of have to couple these individual sanctions with broader sanctions on the state of mm -hmm. Israel which would damage our relationship with them undoubtedly. And I'm not sure Biden's willing to do that. So this might just be kind of empty 
kind yeah, of meaningless. It's like we we haven't talked about the West Bank a lot just because Gaza is the one the area getting uh, I don't know carpet bombed right now. Yeah, but the West Bank is also a place where a lot of violence takes place. I saw a a headline before getting to the studio where it was something along the lines of like. Uh, there was like a dozen or, or, or two dozen or so attacks just like from settlers in the West Bank oh. that the IDF does nothing about. Oh, if we want to talk about attacks from uh, settlers and security it's extreme forces, violence there, yeah. And security forces in the West Bank since I think October 7th, a 197 Palestinians have been killed by settlers yeah, or security forces, and at least 121 Palestinian households have been displaced, which is about 1,100 people. Yeah. Since October 7th, like things have ramped up. And to the point you made about how the IDF and the Israeli government does nothing, so what if we sanction these individual people? They have the full faith and backing of the state and the security forces there. The IDF is culpable in pretty much every instance of settler colonialism that goes yeah. on. They go, settlers push the bounds of what is Israel's effective territory, illegally, mind you, as right. every nation, every everywhere across the world except Israel recognizes. And then the IDF defends these new settlements they, yeah. they they defend them they do whatever yeah and that's the thing is like if you look at maps from like each decade you can see that the territory that palestinians occupy both in where the gaza strip is now and where the west bank is it's been shrinking and shrinking and shrinking mm -hmm. nonstop. yeah what does an individual sanction do like dude either just got a new house or new neighbors because he did violence to somebody right exactly like what is it what does it do to just not allow him into the u.s or you know take away visa status or whatever and it's like how are we determining these things are we waiting to see if these settlers get convicted in israeli court before we can do anything mm -hmm. or do we have people whose job it is to find out who's settling to go through like i i just feel like it's kind of unrealistic and a non-solution if this was one policy as a part of a broader two-state solution like package that we were working on yeah then like yeah fine this would make sense like you get punished for doing settler violence mm -hmm. sure but if this is the only thing then it doesn't really do anything at all like the, the at, at the very least there needs to be something that happens there needs to be some punishment at the state level that would discourage the idf from backing these people up yeah. that would discourage the government from encouraging these settlements right. like that, that that's what would need to happen yeah i mean like biden will give lip service to a two-state solution basically every democrat at this point will give yeah. lip service to a two-state solution honestly ideally it would be a one-state solution where like they can live together and not kill each other <laughs> i yeah, no, I as it was as it was before <laughs> Israel was created as a nation, right? Yeah, like Jewish people lived in historical Palestine. <laughs> um, but that's I just I don't see in any uh, near future how that would be possible. I, I think a two state solution is the most realistic thing that can happen right now. I feel like we're a bit past a point of no return, mm -hmm. especially with exactly what's going on. But that doesn't mean I don't think we should aspire to the ideals of a one state solution because yeah. we absolutely should. I, I would rather people live in harmony yeah. and not kill each other. But yeah, honestly, I feel like the best uh, like step forward if Biden was serious about actually solving this problem would just to be uh, one, make sure that um, Gaza isn't a prison anymore and just start <laughs> giving away more land that Palestinians can actually use. Yeah. Like no more being prisoners, no more apartheid state and give them more land that has been taken from them historically. No give them hope for a better future. Otherwise Hamas is going to continue to be a political force. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we're seeing that kind of right now in, in videos and pictures of prisoners that were released from Israel. They're coming into the West Bank with Hamas flags draped around them. 
and it's like obviously obviously i condemn hamas <laughs> we, we've been through this we've been through this bit for the last like what two months like yeah I, you all know where i stand on that but i also like i can see where they're coming from you, yeah. you get well, thrown yeah. in prison for throwing a rock at an IDF soldier. Just no trial, no formal charges. You're just you're just put on administrative detention mm-hmm. for doing that. Uh, you see people who there, there's an Israeli law that I think was just recently passed. It was an amendment to their counterterrorism measure where now if you are seen like uh, consuming terrorist material uh, and identifying with that, you can be thrown in jail now. Oh, yeah. Free speech democracy. Yeah. So like, you know, <laughs> if I consume Osama bin Laden's letter to America <laughs> and identify with it, then I could be thrown in jail. You know, say I am a Palestinian. Only in democracy in the Middle East. Right? It's the only <laughs> democracy. Like you, you see all these things like and this is what I, t- I mean when I say these complex sociological machinations that allow for support for Hamas to happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's bad. Obviously, it's not good. But what? What do you think is going to happen when you're throwing kids in jail for nothing? Yeah, yeah. As we've said many times, terrorism doesn't happen for no reason. Yeah. There's always a material reason for extremist groups rising up. Uh, And if you're not going to resolve the underlying uh, material tensions that exist between Palestinians and Israelis, then you're going to continue to get terrorist attacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't bomb Hamas away, especially because Hamas leadership, again, isn't in Gaza. You can't bomb (laughs) them out of existence. And even if you could, Hamas too comes right after that because you've just... uh, decimated an entire generation of people it's like the the only thing that they're bombing out of existence right now in gaza is uh the palestinian civilians Mm -hmm. and also the palestinian health ministry which if 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 you don't remember the kind of every day they go through and update the casualty counts which is now at about 1330 uh 13,300 as of, I think, yesterday. But that came after a days-long pause in the casualty report, which AP says is attributed to the health system's total collapse in northern Gaza, making it impossible to provide a detailed count. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, we we've been saying for a while now that the the actual death toll is going to be higher than what they report because there's just in the fog of war and as buildings are collapsing around you, there's no way you can keep track of everyone that's trapped mm-hmm. and has has died because of attacks that you know people didn't live to report about. Yeah, so it's just. Uh, it's bad. Or just bad. any person that an IDF soldier shoots on yeah. their campaign through conquering northern Gaza, which they've described themselves. Like, there are videos of cons, the, multiple videos of Israeli, Israeli soldiers going viral. Like, oh, we, we just conquered a beach in north Gaza. Woo, woohoo. Yeah. Or them dragging furniture out of destroyed homes and setting it up and just fucking chilling in the rubble of people's lives. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I do wonder if, like... Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i seeing all these protests in all these different countries, certainly in the, in the United States as well, whether they're in D.C. or New York or other big cities in the U.S. And I feel like something's got to give in the Democratic Party at some point. Yeah. Um, especially if, like, Joe Biden loses the upcoming election, which we've talked about as ad nauseum. But, like, if, if the Democrats sustain major losses because of this, then I feel like something's got to move. And I wonder if APAC is just slowly going to become, like, a Republican PAC. Rather than like a, a group that um, funds both liberal and conservative candidates, I wouldn't even be surprised. Yeah, because it's like how how do you fund both liberal and conservative candidates in general in the first place? And well, it's, like it's because they both support it? Israel. That's why exactly like that's the yeah. only thing that they care about. It's it's stupid. I'm wondering if like there's going to be a shift over time, like um, kind of how the NRA used to fund both conservatives and Democrats that were yeah. pro gun, but now they're just staunchly a Republican pack at this point. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe something will change. Maybe I'm coping a little bit and the Democrats are never going to get away from their oh, Zionist man. angles. But one can hope, right? One one can hope. And yeah. I guess I guess while we're on the topic of uh, terrorism, mm. 
we can talk about some uh, some things that happen on the eve of Thanksgiving. You know, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. That's yeah, <laughs> exactly. And if you think if you think Gazans <laughs> are the first ones to ever elect terrorists to office, I mean, see George Bush. <laughs> oh. American people. I mean, come on. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of more terrorism, on top of that, um, it's been no secret over the past couple weeks that as a result of everything going on in Gaza right now, right wingers here in the U.S. of A have been fiending for a terrorist attack on U.S. soil. <laughs> tell me they haven't. Yeah. I mean, tell me they haven't. Fucking everyone I know on the right has just been going crazy about it. It's like the uh, the day of jihad. Mm. When I don't even know if someone from Hamas on social media said it or somebody just, some right-winger just made it up and said, oh, mm. look at this letter. Hamas is calling for a day of jihad across the globe. That you Don't go outside <laughs> yeah. on Friday, October, like, 14th or 12th or whatever the fuck it was. Um they've just been going nuts for yeah. it only only to um stoke fears uh, over the southern border yeah republicans are like yearning to be able to do the 911 uh islamophobia uh, trick again yeah. to get everyone to rally around some kind of military excursion that we can use to i don't know terrorize the middle east to invade the Me invade like, mexico ted like cruz, nikki haley says ted cruz in nikki haley they probably wish that uh the hamas attack was in the u.s so we could justify doing literally anything oh my god i know i just they they wish they were israel right now he's mm -hmm. i wish i was in netanyahu's cabinet just mm -hmm. making these crazy decisions right now but anyway it seems for a brief moment Last Wednesday, uh, they lied about their prayers being answered. <laughs> so some context. On Wednesday, on the Rainbow Bridge, which connects Niagara, New York, to Niagara, Canada, near Niagara Falls, mm. there was an explosion, an explosion which quick investigation from the Buffalo FBI pointed out had nothing to do with a malicious terrorist attack. There was no bomb residue found, but rather some idiot driver was speeding and slammed into a concrete pil pillar, causing his car to blow up a little mm -hmm. bit because he's going wicked fast. Yeah. Got airborne. Horn, did Ooh. some airtime and then slammed into a pillar but that didn't stop right-wingers from hearing explosion and going nuts fox mm. news immediately ran a story claiming it was a terror attack ted cruz made a post on twitter saying it was definitely a terrorist mm. something like how there's a there's a, a buffalo cop or whatever the fuck there's a new york cop that was on the scene that's being wheeled off to the hospital now after this terrorist attack mm -hmm. I, I don't know if the cop being injured part was true, but that's definitely not what happened. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely not the framing that went on there. Um, Kari Lake, uh, future, future, future maybe, VP, future yeah. VP yeah. said, quote, this may have been an attempted terrorist attack along our northern border. If so, our worst fears are being realized. Joe Biden is inviting this kind of chaos into our country. It was only a matter of time before bad people took him up on his offer. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then oh, rep man. Anna Paulina Luna from Florida wrote on Twitter, we need to lock down the borders immediately. Full deportation efforts <laughs> need to begin. The U.S. does not need to be the world hospitality suite any longer. It's important to mention that the guy who was driving the car that exploded on the Rainbow Bridge was going from New York to Canada. Mm, so mm -hmm. if anything, yeah. <laughs> if anything... Oh Man, my God. We're going to lose a talking point soon where we're like, oh, they only talk about the southern border because now they just want to lock everything down. No, I know. That's what blew, that's what blew me the most here. Uh -huh. is they, she mentioned the northern border. I thought they were just going to say a terrorist attack at the border because mm -hmm. like, that's that's the framing, right? Yeah. 
but I guess they can just they can just start saying this. I guess they've caught on to us. Yeah, I might be able to get behind it if we're deporting Canadians. Hell yeah. I might actually become a reactionary. Hell yeah. Lock down the northern border, baby. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just that Open one. up the southern build, border. Build a wall yeah. in Montana. Montana. <laughs> I'm saying. Cut off the bridge connecting Detroit and Canada. I'm sick of it. You'd cut off like half of all fentanyl coming into the country. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, why not, right? Exactly. Come on now. It's just the better thing. But uh, later Fox News did uh, do I don't know a somewhat respectable thing mm-hmm. and they issued a retraction but I feel like this just this just speaks to their overall jumpiness to do anything that they can yeah. to ramp up rhetoric on sort of like their issue like this is mm-hmm. the issue for them after the GOP debates there was like three solid hours over those debates that was just about invading Mexico. Yeah, and I feel like with every news source, retractions get a lot less attention than the initial story always. ever does. Always, yeah. So it's always going to be like, I don't know, 10 times more people saw the U.S. is under attack story than we'll see the, actually, we were wrong, guys. It was just some dude driving too fast. Well, yeah, because terrorism at the border gets more clicks than car crash. Mm-hmm. Like It's yeah. just the fact of the fact of the matter. But oh my goodness, I just, I just thought that was good, and I had to bring that yeah, up. Man, they're itching for nine eleven too. God they, damn, they they went crazy. They went feral for it. They, they want it. Our, our borders are under attack, people. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised no one claimed it was Hamas. Oh god, I was just. I about really to say, wanted somebody to claim that it was Hamas. I was just about to say someone had to have said like it's Hamas coming across the northern border. They flew in through Canada somehow. Somebody's somebody's like uncle at Thanksgiving mm-hmm. had to have said that. They yeah. had to have. Uh, I hope so. Anyway, time to move on to our final news story today here. That's right. One we uh, missed last week a little bit. We did miss it a little bit. It was overshadowed by larger events and, of course, mm-hmm. the, the holiday pregame, which we, we simply had to do. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't really have a choice in the matter. But you may have noticed uh, a couple of weeks ago, government did not shut down. Government stayed open. Crazy. Uh, contrary to, to what we thought would happen. Contrary two, to what I said. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks ago, Biden signed a stopgap funding bill that keeps the government open for a little while longer as Congress continues to work on an actual budget. Uh, we, we had said that the government might shut down, but I think... We had also guessed, like, if it does stay open, we're not getting a real budget. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be a continuing resolution as it was before. So the stopgap continuing resolution included no cuts to really anything. It just kind of at least it it just kind of expands the time the government can be open. And it also did not include the previously discussed military funding for Israel, Ukraine, the border and so on, because that's going to be a separate bill that's debated that may or may not pass. Mm -hmm. Um, The interesting part about the stopgap bill, though, is, as I alluded to before, it's broken into two separate parts for some reason. Uh, First, it funds the Agriculture, Transportation, Housing and Urban Development and Veterans Affairs Departments through January 19th. And then second, it funds the Department of Defense through February 2nd, two weeks after the first part of the government runs out of money. Uh, I don't know what purpose this serves. The speaker and creepy father, Mike Johnson, argued that this prevents an omnibus package from being passed before the Christmas break, kind of in like the, uh, uh, in a, in a rush to get something passed. And everybody wants to go home. Let's just pass some things. Little, little rush going on. Why wouldn't they just do it after? Yeah. I I, I don't see what stops an omnibus. I think I like, I don't know what rationale is actually behind this or if there is even like a logic to breaking it up into two parts. Especially because like, okay, like I, I, sure. I understand that usually there's a rush before the holidays when everybody wants to go home, but also there's going to be a rush before the government shuts down. Yeah. Like people are going to really want to just get things done and over with after they do this same song and dance six Mm -hmm. months later. Like maybe, maybe he's keeping the DOD open for two extra weeks because he knows we're going to breeze past the January 19th shutdown date. And we 
got to keep funding going to Israel somehow. Well, absolutely. So we got to keep it open. To the, it's non-negotiable, to the unconditional funding. I was surprised this past with that measure because when we when we talked about this, I think two weeks ago, uh, before everything actually went through, that was the big development that happened that Chuck Schumer said absolutely no to. So uh, breaking I, it into two pieces. Yeah, breaking yeah. it into two pieces. They did not want to do that. So I, I guess bro cracked. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was probably the classic thing where Republicans are like, I will literally crash the car. You're just like, okay, fine. Don't. <laughs> I will blow up the U.S. government, preferably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, you may be saying, hang on. Wait a minute. Uh, a clean budget continuation with no cuts. Isn't this what Kevin got fired over? Uh, and I would say, yeah, actually, you're on the right track. That's exactly why he lost his job. Oh, this exact reason, a stopgap continuing resolution that was filed that extended us into November was the reason Kevin lost his job. I bet he's fucking sitting there just crying, sitting there <laughs> and, seething. And Mike Johnson, I guess, just gets to do it. I'm, I'm guessing they're not going to kick him out because they don't want to go another three weeks without a speaker and looking awful as they did last time. Uh -huh. And I don't even think there's the time on the calendar to even do that um but yeah mike just did the same thing kevin did and he got away with it no but that that's that's so sick <laughs> yeah that's, that's actually so sick they realized they're like yeah there's nothing we can do about these things getting passed with no cuts like we we cannot garner the support for this <laughs> yeah. and they did all they did all that for nothing yeah yeah holy shit so we got a continuing resolution the government's not shutting down just yet but um as we say maybe on like half of all of our episodes maybe next time maybe you know? next time yeah it, we'll just kick the can or we'll actually hit the hit it's, the button it's either uh maybe the government will shut down or maybe the government just won't exist anymore if we default on our debts mm -hmm. oh yeah maybe the entire <laughs> global economy will stop yeah that could happen too not this time though this is a government shutdown. Uh, because these are things we can just kick the can down for now um before we finish out this government budget talk there's a specific story i want to zoom in on and i think it's it's pretty important okay so i'm gonna let's start off with a question ah uh, when you think of the republican party what's the first thing that comes to mind oh shit uh, being a uh, racist oh that's a good one yeah for me it's usually like taking food out of the mouths of hungry children Oh, That's especially especially taking supplementary food out of women, children, and infants' mouths. <laughs> yes, and that's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. So, right, Congress passed this stopgap budget bill, which originated in the Republican-led House to keep the government open until after the new year. But importantly, funding for WIC was missing. Oh, it was WIC. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> you, you nailed it. You clocked it. Let's go. WIC, as Gage just spoiled for you all, <laughs> is a nutrition program for women, infants, and children. I can't believe you got that. Uh, I thought you had like pre-read. No, no idea. <laughs> so WIC was established in 1972 and it provides today breastfeeding formula, yeah. uh, breastfeeding support and formula for nearly half of all babies born in the U.S. The program's already struggling financially because of inflation and, you know, costs have risen on families. Mm -hmm. um, when I looked it up, according to, um, I think the USDA, 6.3 million Americans participate in WIC, and that's about 39% of all kids in the U.S. benefit it's, from WIC in some way. It's, it's a great program. Like, it, it's explicitly to feed women, infants, and children. Like, yeah. it's supplementary to regular SNAP benefits, right? Yeah. If, if, there were, if there was ever a welfare program that's important, if there's ever a welfare program to keep funded, it's this one. <laughs> it's, it's the one that keeps kids full, right? Uh, but as I mentioned, additional WIC funding was left out of the stopgap funding bill, despite Biden asking for a billion extra dollars to keep it really? funding, uh, to keep the program running. Uh, and again, the stopgap bill was passed by the Republican House. And previously, in the past couple of months, we've seen the GOP members of Congress 
attempt to cut WIC in several different bills. They haven't been successful, but it seems like they're going to try again. The USDA reported that they don't anticipate uh, service level dips until after the new year, but without funding, because of the Republican Party, they just simply um, won't be able to give families the food that they need. It's also like we've been through the same song and dance before. Um, I think it was on the episode with Mikhail Goodman. We covered a bill out of um, some state legislator. Like Iowa or Indiana or something. It was Iowa or Indiana. I remember they had a they had an awful like format on their yeah. website when I read the bill. Uh, they just wanted to get rid of I think WIC and SNAP, and that's where we like delved yeah. into those programs. They're just good, yeah, just good things. WIC, SNAP, and um, TANF are like the 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 bedrock of our welfare programs in uh-huh. the U.S. And all the time, Republicans try to cut them. Food, or and, and <laughs> even if we want to expand this to like state by state news, I remember we covered a story a couple of months ago where Republicans explicitly said that they want to remove the ability for states to do universal free school lunch. Yeah. They just want to, like, they, literally, the Republican Party here, unambiguously, no interpretation needed, wants less kids to eat. That's it. Like, <laughs> what, what? because the, the typical argument is like, okay, don't be on welfare, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. These are children. Well, you don't, you don't understand free lunch, that's not free. <laughs> free lunch yeah, is never actually free. Someone's paying for it. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, quite the insane story out of this stopgap bill that's kind of being looked over. But yeah, WIC funding was um, not included. And the USDA, Department of Agriculture, is like, AO, we won't be able to fund this after the new year. Oh, my. So um, hopefully we get that funding soon because me personally, I enjoy when people aren't going hungry. Yeah, me personally, um, especially, I don't know, women, infants, and children, kind of a vulnerable group when it comes to mm-hmm. hunger because mm-hmm. this is for new mothers yeah who need to i don't know foster a new lo- what happened all, all the republicans at the debate were like oh yeah i they, they stole our flow they did they and they did said it. we got to be pro-life for the whole life mm-hmm. i don't know about that one yeah chris christie get in here talk to him <laughs> yeah, chris christie come mediate this yeah <laughs> and it's like i like like our our pro our welfare programs especially those that like involve buying food are already insufficient because there's so many limitations on what Uh you can actually get certain brands you can purchase from but the fact that they want to just cut it off entirely something they've attempted to do before the republicans is just like i like it's no analysis needed it's just evil straight Uh up evil and it's also like it's like one billion dollars yeah for the federal government dog yeah that's that ain't shit. Take one away. Take one of the billions away from Israel. Give it to the kids. Exactly. I don't know. Tax Elon Musk exactly one billion dollars. I mm-hmm. promise he don't need it. Mm-hmm. He does not need it. I, let's let's raise taxes on uh, the people who don't need these WIC benefits, and then uh, we can get this going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in our opinion, social uh, or government intervention in the economy pretty good. Mm-hmm. It helps. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. The U.S. has grown so powerful economically because of it, and we should keep doing it. And our, and, we should uh, do it more. In our opinion, uh, financially punishing people like uh, Elon Musk, uh, also good. Mm-hmm. Also good. Yeah, publicly. What do you need $44 billion for? You don't You don't need it. You can't mm-hmm. spend it all in one place. You can't spend it at all. Facts. Before you die, it's, it's not going to be gone. Anyways, that wraps up the news stories for this week. I hope you all enjoyed the episode, and don't feel too devoid of hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know... I was trying to think of something inspiring uh, to say, but it's all bad. Soon it might get better. <laughs> maybe. Soon things might get better. Well, you know, if we want to end on a hopeful note, maybe it's all bad. Uh, maybe it all makes you feel sad. Maybe you are, you're, you're crying for the loss of life, both in the United States and in, uh, in mm-hmm, Gaza, mm-hmm. et cetera. But um, sometimes we get a silly news story like Ted Cruz saying terrorism is happening. Exactly. And, you know, it's really, it's really about um, taking, taking those little moments of happiness mm-hmm from from the abyss just ripping them out and savoring them yeah. and appreciating them for what we for what they are 
kind of like when you're a patron and you mm. hear your name right at the end of the episode. Well, exactly. Like that's that's one of the joys in life that you get to appreciate. Exactly. Or maybe being asked another way if you condemn Hamas. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of different ways to ask that question. We get asked it all the time. It's a good one. And I, always, always, I do. I, I do. And quite frankly, I don't know how many more condemnations I got in me. I might be running out. <laughs> I might be running out of, yes, I condemn Hamas's. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I might have to start saying silent on the issue. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... Um, we got to give a special thanks to all the people that really condemn Hamas. Yeah, time to give some brief little uh, moments of joy to these special people, starting with Caden Kraut, Lord Tal the Radiant, Chris the Postman, Christy Beck, 40% Spite, Dylan B., Andrew Harris, Mike Chaplinski, Mattias T., Omar Zuno, Clayton LaFed, Mark Yeager, Kaz, Caleb Joy, Rich Toro, Tari, Gavin Mayer Maldonado, Hunter W., Fergalaki, Max Vesquez, Jacob Rogers, Colton Mooberry, Fixer Punk, Jim Egbers, Jeff Muzzy, Bagel Burrito, Cincy Alex, Joe Stenstrom, Adrian Sandoval, Chloe Sam 601, Colleen Cuts, Gregory is in my name, Veryuk, Jennifer DeVoe, Big Bird Titty, Crawfishing, Beneth Bennington III, Alexia Benanti, Niche, Big Booty Beatdown, Sam Maloney, Two-Headed Boy, Ben Shapiro's Boyfriend, Jonathan Cassis, Luke O'Shea, Cucker Tarlson, Danielle Jackson, The Word of Microsoft, Jennifer Sines, Aaron and His Gundam Gundams, Darth Father, Aiden Taylor, Corey Chambers, Sewer Snack, L.E.N., John Glover, Devin Hatchard, Retro Mondo, Meatball Minion, Emma the Dew Slayer, Breezy B, Veronica, a.k.a. V, Raxon, Ash Smith, The Grotler, Magic Ian 95, Flower Clown, Beetlebugs, Three Crows in a Trench Coat, Lonnie Rogers, Slavic and Sapphic, Casey Lynn Kelly, Snake Eyes, and Hope of Giants, a.k.a. Gone, Aquana Don, Zach Lantian, Info Russell, Austin Greif, Marcus Corbett, Caleb Roper, Taylor Rensock, Ishi Teddy, Cami. Uh, Reagan, Pagan Jester, Ty, uh, Tylan Freeman, oh my god, I'm tripping, uh, Steak Daddy, Tay Tay, Isaac Hodges, Madeline C, Pab the Pab 69, Kayla Lowe, Anna Valenic, Eduardo Diaz, Casey C, Say Yes to Wes, August, Natalie Valinsky, Particular Pikmin, Sir Capalot, Jeff Signs, Howard the Duck, Brennan is Egg, JR, Drew Batchilder, Froggy Gumdrop, Evan Malika, I hope I said it right that time. I know you DM'd us about it. Maybe I said it <laughs> wrong again. Zen doing their best. Jackie Boy, Shameless, Coherent Babbles, Naomi Valentine, Nikki Nine Lives, Sasha, MJ is Sharp, Michaela Muncy. Hopefully I said that one right. Also DM'd us about it. The Wallace 3000, <laughs> Southwest Socialism, and my mom. Thank you all so much for supporting the show on Patreon and condemning Hamas every time you're asked. Have a great week. We love you.